We're going to try something on today's show that I don't think has ever been done before. I'd be shocked if it has, and there's probably good reason for that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Backyield Show. My name is Joe Lowry, and on today's episode, we're talking about all 29 teams in MLS in rapid-fire fashion. This is coming off the back of two different articles that I wrote for Backyield.com, covering every team in the league and looking at one key number for each of them. In that spirit, we're going to dive into either a specific number for each team or a concept for each team on this episode in 10 minutes or less, because here on the Backyield Show, that's just what we do. So let's take on the challenge and see if we can get 29 interesting thoughts on 29 MLS teams between now and the end of the show. So let's get to it and talk Major League Soccer. Folks, we're starting at the top of the East in terms of the alphabet and then working our way down from there. We're going to start then with Atlanta United, whose goalkeeping situation is in a rough spot right now. They've allowed more goals than expected than any team in Major League Soccer. Brad Guzan, in particular, has been rough and looks like it's maybe time for him to move on in his career. It's difficult to imagine Atlanta making a really deep run in the playoffs with such poor goalkeeping. Charlotte FC, this team knows that they want to play under Christian Latanzio, but they play so slowly. They play slower than any team in Major League Soccer. If they want to really create some chances, I think they have to move the ball a little bit quicker and be just ever so slightly more direct. Moving on now to the Chicago Fire. The Fire are less interested in pressing than any team in Major League Soccer. That's by the numbers based off of passes allowed per defensive action. They're not really interested in engaging the ball high up the field, but defensively, they haven't been strong enough this year to actually leverage that style into wins. That's a big issue right now for the Fire. FC Cincinnati, they have two of the top 10 chance creators in Major League Soccer. That's Lucho Acosta and Alvaro Barreal. There's a reason why they're at the top of the Supporters' Shield race right now. Staying in Ohio, the Columbus Crew, they take more risks than anybody in Major League Soccer. And this stat that I found for Steven Moreira, who plays as a center back for them, he takes more touches in the attacking third than any other center back in the league. That shows just how much Wilford Nantes' team likes to push forward. DC United are up next. They're a little crazy this year under Wayne Rooney. Tyler Miller has been a big story for this team all year, has not been particularly good in goal, but has been adventurous. He has more defensive actions outside the box than any goalkeeper in MLS. I don't think it says a lot about DC that what we end up talking about is their goalkeeper doing maybe risky and bad things instead of the rest of their squad. Inter-Miami, Lionel Messi is just doing superhuman things for Inter-Miami right now. The thing I'm curious, though, is what Tata Martino said to the press recently, that Messi will likely miss three games between now and the end of the season. Miami need to win probably eight more games between now and the end of the regular season out of the 11 they have remaining. Is that going to line up with them winning every single game when Messi is in the team? Only time will tell. CF Montreal, they're a team in flux still. It's very hard to say exactly what this CF Montreal team is. Now, they're better this year than I thought they would be, and they've had some good moves. There is quality here, but there's so much transition for first-year Montreal manager Hernan Lasada to manage. Parsing out the direction of this club then feels really, really hard. Nashville SC just had something crazy happen to them, according to Ben Wright, who's a great follow on Twitter. Nashville SC lost by more than three goals over the weekend to Atlanta United for just the second time in their club history. That's 211 matches. Previously, they'd lost by three goals or more just once, and they lost again by that scoreline, actually 4 0 to Atlanta United over the weekend. Nashville probably going to be just fine, especially with Sam Surridge back in the team. The New England Revolution, they're going to miss Georgie Petrovich, in case that wasn't very obvious. 
Georgi Petrovic has been a monster. He was the best shot stopper in MLS last year and the best in recorded history. This year, he'd saved the Revs a whole bunch of goals as well. The Revs are going to be worse off for having him join Chelsea. The New York Red Bulls are still struggling to find themselves. They haven't been able to hit. They've got a GM coming out in the media and saying they're going to spend more next year. We'll see if that actually happens. The time that they have tried to spend, I think about Patrick Lamala, Luquinhas, Dante Venzir, they just haven't worked. Luquinhas and, and Venzir in particular have been poor MLS players. They're both still a part of this team, but neither has been impactful. It's a huge problem. NYCFC, their attack has been better now since they've added Monsef Bakrar and Maxi Morales back into the team. But now they just lost Maxime Cheneau, who went back to France to play in front of his family for the first time in his career. You can't blame Cheneau for wanting to make that move, but man, NYCFC just cannot catch a roster break right now. Moving to Orlando City, I can't shake the feeling that this team isn't a top contender in the Eastern Conference, but the quality they have is good enough to win any game in the postseason. It's kind of where they were last year. Cesar Araujo getting more touches than anybody else in this Orlando City team. Facundo Torres now up to double-digit goals this year. Maybe there's something here with this club by the time the postseason rolls around. The Philadelphia Union, they're still the most democratic team in Major League Soccer. They have three players with seven-plus goals this season. Coming into last weekend, no team in the league could match that total. And finally, Toronto FC in the Eastern Conference, they just hired John Herdman. He's going to have to be a miracle worker. Nothing Toronto can do will save their year. But what John Herdman can do over the offseason and figuring out the futures of Insigne and Bernadeschi That's a monumental task, and Herman's going to have to sort things out ASAP. Moving over to the Western Conference and taking a deep breath on my end, Austin FC. So much of their year last year where they finished second in the West was defined by Sebastian Driussi's hot form in front of goal. This year, he's averaging half as many non-penalty goals per 90 minutes. It's no wonder why Austin aren't reaching the same heights they did last year. The Colorado Rapids have struggled this year. Jack Price went down with a knee injury a month into the year. From that moment forward, it became clear that they were not going to have an easy campaign. They're getting into the final third less than any team in MLS so far this season, according to FB Ref. FC Dallas, their attack has struggled just like Colorado, maybe not to quite the same extent. But a part of that's because Alan Velasco, who's brought in as a DP winger, he's not been good. The 21-year-old does not score goals. He has just two in MLS play this year in nearly 1,700 minutes. That's not ideal for Dallas. They're moving him into a more central role. Maybe he finds more success there. The Houston Dynamo, they're in the U.S. Open Cup final. That's a huge thing for this club. Could be an exciting moment for them. I like some of the tactical moves that Ben Olsen's made to make them into a possession-heavy team. I'm just wondering what's going to happen with Coco Carasquilla ahead of the end of the transfer window. Somebody that shined at the Gold Cup, someone who's been very good in MLS for quite some time. Something to keep an eye on. SKC, to keep things moving, are the oldest team in the Western Conference. They have an average age weighted by minutes played of 29.1 for their squad. They struggled really to deal with aggressive direct attacks this season. That's going to be something for Peter Vermees and co. to rework during the winter. The LA Galaxy, they have the second worst defense in Major League Soccer. And the team that's worse than them is Inter-Miami, who are now completely different and much better than they were ahead of the League's Cup break. The Galaxy have a ton of problems. Even their new signings are pointing them out. Things to be reworked for them, just like with SKC over the offseason. LAFC, they grab a ton of goals from high turnovers. They're pressing, according to Opta, and winning the ball and scoring goals at a better rate than any team in MLS not named St. Louis. LAFC are the transition team of your nightmares Minnesota United, they've been one of the best attacking teams in Major League Soccer since Timo Pukki arrived in July. Now, Pukki himself hasn't been fantastic, just one goal so far in 300 MLS minutes, but he and Reynoso and Bongi on the wing, they've all combined to be something special so far this year, even with Bongi dealing with a little bit of a knock. 
The Portland Timbers are in turmoil right now. They're not doing well in the Western Conference. Their attackers haven't hit. Their three most valuable players, according to American Soccer Analysis, this year have all been defenders. Now, Gio Savarese is gone. This could be a crossroads moment for the Portland Timbers. RSL, under Pablo Mascareni, they're still playing long passes more than any team in Major League Soccer. There's no surprise there. The talent level, though, for RSL is higher this year than it's been in the past. Maybe they could play spoiler somewhere in the Western Conference. The San Jose Earthquakes are in the midst of what's going to have to be a multi-year rebuild. Luchi Gonzalez has done a decent job of bringing some stability to this team, and they have quality between the boxes, but defensively, they're really struggling. And in the attack, they're 23rd at MLS in touches in the box per 90 minutes, not getting the ball into dangerous areas quite enough. The same goes for Seattle. Right now, they can't put the ball in the back of the net. They've won just three of their last 14 MLS games. I think there is a reason for optimism, though, for Seattle. Christian Roldan and Raul Ruiz Diaz have both played 1,000 minutes or less in this season. If, and, and hopefully it's a win for Seattle, but it feels like an if right now, if those players get back on the field, Brian Smetzer will have so many more tools to work with. St. Louis City, the expansion darlings this year, have been that because of Roman Berkey. In no small part, he's been awesome this year. The best goalkeeper in Major League Soccer based off of post-shot expected goals. He's been key to everything that they've done this year, bailing them out time after time after time. Finally, to bring us home, the Vancouver Whitecaps, Danny Sartini loves himself an open game. He really does. No team in MLS has played games that involve as much XG as Vancouver. That's both attacking, where they're best in the league by that metric, and defensively, where they're about a mid-table team. Vancouver's games tend to be open. They tend to be free-flowing with chances at both ends. If you want chances, the Whitecaps are for you. That's it for this episode of the Backfield Show, and we did it. I didn't know if we'd be able to make it all the way through or not. Now I need to go take like 87,000 deep breaths, so I'm going to leave us here, but go check out Backfield.com for more American soccer coverage, and we'll talk to you again real soon. (laughs) 